Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Well, good morning. Again, uh, people are coming in. I'm, we're just going to dive right into the sermon today. Uh, my name is Mark. I am one of the pastors here. It's great to be with you today. I want to welcome everyone joining us online. I know there's people all over the place joining us online. Don't be a stranger. Say hi. Answer one of the questions. Our hosts, we have, we have chat hosts, by the way, whether you're here on site or online. We have chat hosts online. We, we make it very relational. We consider that one of our locations because people are there. People can make decisions for Jesus. People can make decisions to get baptized. People can make decisions to, to do whatever God's calling them to do in obedience. So it's great to have everyone in as you're bringing in your coffee. Everyone's going to be stoked, right? You got your second refuel of coffee. Actually, probably your eighth refuel of coffee. You're all good. I was noticing during baptism, I was like, I did not intentionally wear black pants today, but I'm like, that was a good call because like that water splashes up. And I was like, man, um, you know, I I had an uh, incident. uh, This will pique your curiosity when I say the word incident. Um, Probably about three years ago, I'm preaching. uh, And at this location, I was preaching and at the beginning of the sermon, uh, I notice I feel on my leg water running down. And I'm like, wow, I am too young for this to happen. Like, this is... And so, I don't know if you've ever done any public speaking, or it doesn't matter if you didn't, didn't do public speaking, but you're, you're, you're talking, but your mind's somewhere else. Like, I'm talking about what I wanted to talk about. In my mind, I'm thinking, what is going on? How do I get out of this? Like, do I sit down? Like, is, is, I need to go to the doctor, you know? And so I'm talking and I just, you know, gently kind of just put my hand in my pocket. And I realized in that moment, I had put a communion cup in my pocket that morning. <laughs> and so in that moment, I actually had relief that it was empty, but thankfully, there was no need for the adult diapers yet. So we're... In that vein, we're going to go into uh, week three of our series entitled uh, Crossing Over. Uh, It is on the book of Joshua. If you have not read the book of Joshua before, if you're looking for something in the Bible to read, if you're just curious about this God stuff and Jesus, uh, I would encourage you to read it with us. Uh, We still have two more weeks after this week. It is our October series. We like to do series because, number one, it's easy to invite people to. What are you preaching on today? I don't know. Well, that's, you know, it could get a little like, well, I don't know what I'm going to get myself into. So when you're inviting, you're inviting them, hey, we're doing this series on Joshua. It's a book in the Old Testament. The other thing is we can build and, and kind of uh, intertwine it, you know, and really make sense of it. It's not just isolated. That's what I'm going to be doing today. So if you missed the first two weeks of this series, uh, it will help some today, but it'll really help you to go to our YouTube channel or to our Facebook or the one that I use a lot, which is our podcast. If you just go to your favorite podcast store and it's free, of course, just go to the Valley Church and you can download that. And I listen, I critique myself, which is incredibly humbling. Uh, but uh, I know a lot of people will listen to pod, uh, the podcast, um, not just here, but we, even some people throughout the country and, and, and the different parts of the world. So um, it's just there. I would encourage you to go re- read those last, or listen to or watch those last two weeks. I was in my early 30s and, and I hit this uh, season of life where I kind of hit a wall. In fact, not only did I hit a wall, but um, I felt like 
the wall was crumbling on top of me. The wall that was my life, like everything up until, I was in a crisis moment. I was in a confusing moment. I was, and not just one moment, but it was over the course of about a year where I just felt like, wow, what's going on here? Uh, I felt lost. I felt confused. Uh, I felt broken in many ways. Um, some things that I thought would be in place by this time of life were not. And I was just frankly hurting. I put on the face. I did the job. I, was, I, was, I, was still te- I had left teaching by then and was starting in ministry, but I was early in ministry. So I, I was in a vocation, in a, a career that I was totally lost in. I left one that I was decent at and they really enjoyed. And God called me out of it. And I'm like, what am I doing? And I was trying to think, figure out things, some things relationally and all that kind of stuff. And I finally got to this point, which was a really hard point for me, and maybe for some of you, to admit that I had a problem. And maybe it wasn't super hard to admit I had a problem, or at least I got past that aspect of it. But then I got to what was the most difficult part of that, which was, I need help. You don't have to raise your hand, but are there others in here who struggle with needing help? I want to think I can get it on my own. I can figure it out. I can, I can gut through it. I can, I can, I can get it. I can't, right? Notice that? How many words did I just say? I can. I can, I can, I can, I can. And I got to this season in life after trying that where I simply said, I can't. And when you say I can't, that means change needs to happen. And so I did something that I thought I would never need to do because this was for people who were just couldn't figure life out. I thought this was for people who had a lot of issues. I thought this was for people who were not me, which is called, by the way, it starts with a P, ends with an E. That's called pride. And I needed to go to counseling. And I thought, man, I don't want to lay on a couch and tell people my feelings. I don't even know if I have feelings. Some friends of mine would probably say, it's not too far off. Um, and of course, that's not what it, but I, I finally got to this point of brokenness where I remember saying to God, I'm okay, God, if you knock down the wall, if you take down the wall representing who I am, everything up until this point, and I'm willing, God, as much as I know how, for you to rebuild it block by block. And if that means I need to go to someone who can help me, I'm going to do it. And I did. And I have a number of times thereafter in different seasons of life, sometimes just for recalibration. We don't like change, do we? I think sometimes when it comes to our life, even though our life is incredibly messed up, we're okay just living in the messed upness of our life versus actually changing. It's kind of crazy to think about. I would rather my life be totally messed. I'm going to say, our life just be totally messed up as long as we don't have to change. That would be kind of what insanity is, right? But we do that. We live in this where I'm like, man, I just, I can, because we, we just hold out this hope that somehow we're going to figure ourselves out. We live in this glimmer of hope that somehow we're going to willpower it through. And if you're like me, and I can willpower a lot of stuff in life, 
you hit the wall and you need to get help. Now, I don't know about you, but when it comes to change, when it comes to obedience, because that's what we're looking at today, there is a pain and there is a promise to obedience. There's a pain and there's a promise to obedience. Here's the pain. The pain is admitting that we need to change. That's painful, isn't it? I'm not saying even going into counseling like I needed to. It might be a view you have. It might be an attitude. It might be holding on to control of your life. It might be your finances. It might be you're your, your married. I don't know what it might be. But there is always, when it comes to obedience, there's always going to be a pain point. And I think one of the things, and I think us Americans are really good at this because we are pain adverse. We are pain avoidant, aren't we? That we will run from that, we will, we will endure, this is the, the insanity too, we'll actually endure the pain that we're living in, even though it's driving us insane, versus moving out of it into the promise of obedience. See, walking into the promise means we have to leave behind what is now. That's what walking into something means. If you leave from where you are, if you're not satisfied where things are right now, and I'm guessing all of us in some area of our life want to see something different, right? I think so. There's some area, if we get gut level honest with ourselves, that we would like to see this change. Maybe it's our thought life. Maybe it is our control. Our, our control. Maybe it is our mouth. Maybe it is... Um, a relationship, we, we, we want to see something. There's, there's something in our life we don't quite like. And I want to challenge us today. We're not going to be super long today. We're going to be about 15 more minutes. You can, don't put me on a timer, but they actually have one up here. They're telling me 20, so, okay, and it's counting down as I talk. Okay, talk faster. We have to leave the comfort of what is to experience the promise of what God wants. That's why I'm telling you, you need to go back and listen to last week, not because it was a great sermon, although it was one of my favorite to preach, because I love looking at the promises of God, and I love looking at the names of God. Why? Because I believe that God is the one who created everything. I believe God is the one who's in control of everything. And when you always existed and you created everything, and, you, and I was a science guy, I have a degree in biology, and I do believe it, it's called, you can't create life from non-life, that's like a scientific law, and you can't create something out of nothing. Like, you can't, that chair, uh, come back a thousand years, it's not going to be a dog, right? Only God can do those kind of things. And when you're God, and when you set the rules to everything, and when you have a track record that is 100% proven, then I can trust your promises. And I can trust the names that you call yourself, because if you're God, and you're the creator, and you're the one who's always been and always will be, you're the Alpha and the Omega, you can determine who you're going to be called. And when you learn those names, and when you actually apply them to your life, it's game-changing. Because it allows me, and here's why it's game-changing, it allows me to step into the pain because I can trust the promise. I can step into the pain because I can trust the promise and the promises of God. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 6 today. If you want to turn along with, I'm going to have it on the screen actually today. If you have the Bibles in your row, it's on like page 2, 
15 to something like that. Okay, there's Bibles in your eye. I love when people grab their Bibles. If you have it on your phone, the Bible app on your phone, and I encourage you to do that uh, and check that out too. Now, before I do that, I have a few pictures for you of context. I love context. Understanding the Bible or understanding anything you read, it's not even the Bible, you need to understand context. So here's what we're looking at. Here is a map of what Israel looked like at that time, and I'm probably blocking it for most of you. But what you see here is that they crossed the, Jordan River, crossed the Jordan River here. They were coming into this land, and here's where they were. They were coming up into these, uh, this area called Jericho and, and Ai. Now, God's a very strategic God. God knew if you take out Jericho and you take out Ai, it will create a divide or a separation between the north and the south of this promised land. Now, obviously, this is incredibly fitting for our times right now. That's not, I'm not going to go into that. But you see, I'll put it this way. There's not things that are new under the sun, okay? And this, this stuff that's happening now um, has been going on for several, uh, more than several thousand years. This could be up to seven or 8,000 years ago, okay? But here's where they were. They had come into this land. They had, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, they had crossed the Jordan at flood stage and God had gone before them. Game changer, like game changer stuff. And now they have another insurmountable, what appears to be an insurmountable mountain in front of them. Anyone ever have that in your life? Where you have this one massive mountain to overcome, this massive pain point in your life and you see breakthrough in it and you're like, yes. And then boom, another one comes. Just me. No, I know, right, right? That's what they're experiencing here. They had just, God had done something miraculous to get them into the promised land. And here they are in this city called Jericho, which had in a city that it was probably the most ancient city of the time. In fact, archaeologists have discovered that there was at least 12 other, if not more, cities built on top by the time Jericho came into existence. And because Jericho had been defeated a number of times, they had mastered the art of protection, and so they built walls around. Not only did they build one wall, but you'll see on this next picture that pops up there, they had built two walls around. They had built a lower wall, which was about 15 feet high and six feet thick. And they, did, they, had, built, uh, they had a little um, trench area about six, uh, six feet wide or 12 feet wide. And then they had built an upper wall that was like 20 feet high and about 15 feet thick. And here these people of promise are, encountering this, saying, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> you have to be kidding me. We finally got into the promised land. We find, we, God did something miraculous, marked up 20 miles of water so they could cross over the Jordan River. And here they are, verse 1 of chapter 6. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. In other words, they had already caught wind that these people, got a, uh, they had won a couple battles already to get to this place. And they were like, not only do we have our walls here, but they are not going to get in. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its kings and its fighting men. And here was God's military strategy for them. March around the city once with all the armed men. Now, come on now. We, we got to, like, this is funny. Like, this is, like, are you serious? Two walls, two massive walls, a lower wall, an upper wall, a trench in the middle, minimum six feet deep, minimum eight or 15 feet high. Here's our campaign. Here's how we're going to win. We're just going to march. And do this for six days. 
You don't think the people are looking at them and saying, what in the world? Are you kidding me? Have seven priests, this is huge, have seven priests carry the trumpets of rams, horns, in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. Then the walls of the city will collapse and the people will go up, every man straight in. I don't know about you, but when I read that, that does not seem like a winning strategy. It seems incredibly poor. You can read the, I'm not going to read the rest of it. You can read the rest for yourself and see how it pans out. When I looked at that, two things immediately jumped out at me. The first thing was the priest was there. You didn't bring priests to a military battle back then, and you don't want to bring me to one now. They didn't show up at those. And we see something happen there that happened the same before they crossed the Jordan River. The presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, which was the presence of God, the presence of God showed up. If I were to take this five-week series and condense it into essentially one sentence, I would say this. When God goes before you, you can realize the promises of your life. When God goes before you, you can realize if you don't allow God to go before you and fight the battles of your life, you will not be victorious. So I want to ask you a question today. What step of obedience do you need to take in your life today? I find it fascinating in this story. God could have like that knocked down every single one of these walls. He could have sent a tornado in and knocked them down. He could have done, he could have just plucked each cinder block one by one. He could have done whatever he wanted to do. And he could have had them stand back there and just watch what he did and be like, wow, that is awesome. But he asked them to do something, didn't he? He asked them to do something that seemed absolutely insane. Walk around the city, do a lap. It wasn't that big of a city. It was only about half a mile. But walk around it. And then I wanted you to walk for six. I mean, they're just, doing, they're just doing laps, like day after day for six. They're walking and, and walking. And the thing that dawned on me was this, double fold when it comes to obedience. Number one, God went before them. God will always go before us when he calls us to take a step of obedience. But number two, you and I have to do something. Obedience requires responsibility. But responsibility only happens because of the relationship. Now, so many times I have just tried to force everything in my life to happen. If I just pray harder, it will happen. If I just come to church more, it will happen. If I just this, if I just that. And then what happens? I get really, really tired. Been there? Because I'm not living out of the power of the relationship, and that's where everything starts. So I have a visual I want to draw for you today of what this can look like. Two simple triangles that might have the potential to radically impact how you function and how you operate in life. The first triangle here is going to represent relationship with God. And a relationship always has to start with God or always has to start with the Father. So we're going to put him at the top here. 
Out of that relationship is where you and I discover our identity. There's all kinds of fake identities we all walk around with, aren't there? And they're not all bad. I identify myself as a pastor. Is that a bad thing? Not necessarily. I identify myself as a husband. Is that a bad thing? No. I identify myself as a dad. Is that a bad thing? No. But we all have ways that we identify. Now, some of us, maybe we identify ourselves as divorced. We identify ourselves as a failure. We identify ourselves as lost. We identify ourselves as an addict. Okay? So there's, there's any, and I'm just telling you, whether it's identifying myself as a dad or identifying myself as someone who has, struggles with an addiction, they are all fake IDs. They are all incomplete IDs because our identity only flows out of the Father. And then out of that identity is where we obey. That's where obedience happens. But so many times we just want to function as this. Oh, God is all, it's all about the relationship. God will do whatever he can do. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to sit under the pomegranate tree in the lotus position. I'm going to hum all day. No, okay, we don't do that. But we just think, well, God's going to do it. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. I don't see very many times in Scripture where God just does something, people sit back and watch, and they don't have any cooperation involved. This is a cooperation relationship. This is a relationship that must have with it responsibility. Somehow I fit that in there. Okay. Responsibility. And that happens because that he becomes the king of our life. You could look at it another way that the relationship is covenant. Covenant is everything. We don't understand covenant because the only covenant relationship still left in this world is marriage, and we don't even treat that most of the time like a covenant. But this is the covenant relationship. Blood had to be shed, and animals always had to die. Something always had to die. Blood always had to be shed for this covenant. And then it was fulfilled in this perfect guy going to a cross, and he ultimately fulfilled, fulfilled the covenant relationship. And then this leads to kingdom responsibility, because if he's the king, if he's the king, then he gives us authority. Jesus said this to his disciples, all the authority I've been given to you, all authority from heaven I give to you if you're a follower of mine. And that, I, that um, that's a T there, okay? The identity leads to authority, and the other cool thing is that out of obedience is where you and I get power. Now, it's not the kind of power that we think of in our world that is influential power or power to lord over. It is specifically the power to live out this obedience with a responsibility that's going to change this world. So what would happen if you and I actually discovered our identity? Mark Twain said it this way. He said, the only thing that likes change is a wet baby. <laughs> the only thing that likes change is a wet baby. We don't like change. We, you know, here's the deal. Change is inevitable of life. You ever think about that? Change is always going to happen. We all try to stop it. As I get older, I try to change things. I try to like think, oh, I'm going to get stronger as I get older. That's not happening. I'm going to get in better shape as I get older. It's going to get easier to be in shape. That hasn't happened, right? Change is a part of life. Growth is optional. Change is a part of life. Growth is optional. 
And growth only happens when we discover that our identity is in Christ. The Israelites here crossing, the, they had spent so many time with God. They had done laps in the wilderness. They had seen a generation, multiple generations die because of what? Their disobedience. And that over that time, what happened is the relationship with him was cultivated. And as the relationship was cultivated, they started to be able to trust in his promises. And they started to be able to trust that he was going to go before them. And they could start trusting that he wasn't going to leave them or forsake them. They could start trusting that he was the beginning and that he was the end. They could start trusting that he was the creator. They could start trusting that he was always going to fight for them. And it started to create in them an identity. And out of the overflow of the identity they were experiencing, they discovered that they had the authority to do kingdom work. They had the authority to, when he said to go do something, they would do it. I want to ask that question again as we get near the end. Where in your life do you need to obey? Week one, we talked about courage. Week two, we talked about promises. Today, I'm talking about obedience. We saw four people this morning obey. And here's what I've discovered about obeying when it comes to baptize, being baptized. Yes, it is a personal decision coming out of discovering your identity. I heard it over and over again, by the way. They didn't use the word identity, but I heard that they were saying, I'm changing, I'm a new person. Did you hear that today? I'm a new person. I'm not the same I was before. That's why I always say over them the scripture from 1 Corinthians, you're a new creation in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. Game changing. When this starts to get discovered, and it can be a lifelong journey to some degree, you're going to start living out of the authority and power. Think of the badge and the gun. You're going to start living out of that in your life. Where do you need to obey? Because today, yes, it was a step of obedience with these four people, but I guarantee you it is going to be an indelible mark in the lives of their children if they have children. For some of you today, it, was a, it gave you some courage to maybe do something. So people got baptized today, thank you, thank you. Because you today taking a step of obedience probably gave someone else in this room the courage to be bold and to deal with the tension between the pain and the promise. And they're going to need to lean into that pain a little bit, a little bit, or maybe like I had to, a lot, <laughs> to recognize I'm messed up. <laughs> I need help. And it was one of the best decisions I ever made. And it's one of the reasons, as kind of a guy who still has pride, <laughs> I am not afraid to tell you that I've been and seen a counselor, and I'm not afraid to tell you that I'm probably going to go back at some point <laughs> because I need, you know, that, that need, I need an outside voice. I need someone to look and say, you need to course correct in your life. I need someone to challenge me and speak life into me. Isaiah 43, 19 says this, For I am about to do a brand new thing. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? What new thing? Because of your obedience, does God want to birth into your life? Maybe it is to be obedient 
in today to cross the line of faith and say yes to Jesus. Maybe it is to be obedient and get baptized. Maybe it is obedient and to start turning over your finances to the Lord. Maybe it is obedient and say, God, I am scared to death to consider leaving this profession. Like Emily, Emily, Emily had an incredible career. That paid a lot more than churches pay. <laughs> a lot more. A lot more. Okay, okay, get my point? A lot more. But she's saying yes. There's a pain to that. And she's had to walk through for a year of some things that are going to have to change and some things she might have to give up and give over or whatever. But I guarantee you, she's saying, I don't regret for one second stepping into the promise because the promise is going to be that he's never going to leave her. For, the promise is that he is Jehovah Jireh. He will provide. The promise is that he is El Shaddai. The promise is that he is Jehovah Rapha. Maybe that's what some of you need. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Maybe that's what you need to step into that pain of actually trusting that he'll bring healing to your mind. And you never thought it was going to be possible to get healing over your mind and be set free. Whatever. Maybe it's guilt. Maybe it's shame. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's depression. And you just need to take a step. You need to just walk around the walls and let the one who goes before you knock the walls down. Do you really believe that he is who he says he is? Do you really believe that he's going to do what he says he's going to do? Earlier in Joshua, we see this. He says, prepare yourselves. Prepare yourselves for tomorrow. <laughs> this is so cool. Prepare yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do nothing among you. Oh no, wrong translation. Yeah. Prepare yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do. We're all going to say this out loud and loudly on the count of three. One, two, three. Amazing things. We're going to say it again. Amazing things among us. There's pain and there's a promise to obedience. Are you willing to step into the pain to recognize the promise? Because the same one who parted the Jordan River is still alive and well today. The same one who knocked down those walls, those double walls, the 15-foot high walls, the six-foot thick walls, two layers of them, is alive and well. And here's the crazy, crazy cool thing. He is wild about you. You might like, Mark, there's no way. If he knew what I did, he knows. <laughs> he knows. He's still wild about you. He is crazy about you. And he wants to pour into your life incredible power, Holy Spirit power. He wants to be the king of your life. He wants to give you all the authority that was given to him into your life so that you can make a difference and so you can be whole, you can be complete. But you got to trust him. And you got to be willing to step into the pain so you can experience the promise. Let's pray. I don't know where you are right now. I don't know what it is right now that God is knocking on your heart to be obedient. But you know, maybe it's a sin in your life that you've been grappling with and you're, got, you're like, God, I'm, I'm so sick of this. I'm so sick of 
the gossip. I'm so sick of lust. I'm so sick of anger. I'm so sick of pride. I'm so sick. And you just say, God, I'm sick of it. God, I'm willing to enter into some pain because I'm tired of living life like this. I'm telling you, I'm not going to lie. It's, there's going to be some pain points to it. But you just got to trust the God that promised, the one who has never failed and he's not going to start with you. Maybe today you need to step into new life. You are living in sin. You're, you're living apart from God. You're, 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 you're broken. You're, you're lost. And today you need to grapple with that pain and you need to trust the promise of the one who says, if we confess our sins, I am faithful and just, and I will forgive you of your sin, and I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You need to trust in the one who went to the cross and died for you and who defeated death. For others of us today, maybe what we need to do is we need to trust the promise to take a massive step of faith, maybe the greatest step of faith we've ever taken in our life. And we're going to say, God, if you don't fulfill the promise, I'm going to fall flat on my face and God is going to say, bring it on. Would you just trust me? I'm your dad. I'm a good dad. I'm, your, I'm the father. And out of that father relationship, I want to put an identity into you that will lead you to want to obey me. And out of that, it's going to be a game changer. Holy Spirit, thank you for meeting each of us right where we needed to be. And we pray that in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. I could not read the sign you held up. Or baptism. Okay. okay. So if you are still wrestling with this, I'm not going to leave you off the hook. You can you get out of here before I get to that front door, and that's fine, okay? Sprint, beat me out. I'm going to sprint, okay? Now, what I'm just saying, I'm not trying to guilt or whatever. I'm just saying, like, man, if God's still knocking on your heart, um, we do have a second service. And, and you'll never regret being obedient. I'm just telling you. Would you stand with me? I want to pray over a promise. You know me. If you've been around here, I love this promise from Numbers chapter 6. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May, his face, may he be gracious unto you. May his face shine upon you. And may he give you peace. Would you go in the promise of peace? Be blessed. Go be a difference maker. Congratulate those who got baptized. They'll be out there getting pictures. Congratulate them. Enter the pain. Trust the promise. And you'll experience God in ways you never had before. Be blessed. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected with all things The Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.